I want you to open your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 1. That's where we're going to be at today. Revelation chapter 1. going to start the year focused on Jesus and who He is and what, what He uh, has invited us into. Um, you know, we had, a, we had our, our prayer time on Wednesday, uh, our 48 minutes of prayer. And uh, many of you weren't able to be here, but for those of you who were, we had an amazing time just in being in God's presence and seeking Him and worshiping Him and... Uh, receiving from him and painting pictures that he gave us and uh, it's always such a wonderful time to be in God's presence but one of the things that 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 came up for me that I want to I want to share and 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 dive into a little bit and I kept hearing it was uh, the idea that Jesus is the king so on Wednesday Wednesday was we had our prayer time so on Wednesday I happened to be uh, scrolling through social media, and there was a post from someone that said, Ave, Ave Christus Rex, which is Latin for Christ is King. And uh, when I saw that, I immediately went back to a song that I heard that morning in my head that I hadn't heard in a very long time. It's, a, it's an old hymn. Um, I think it's pretty old. I don't know when it was written, but it's it's called "Crown Him with Many Crowns." Uh, we haven't sung that. I haven't heard that song. I have. We haven't sung that song in probably at least ten years here. I'd say. Um, but I just woke up. Do you ever wake up with a song? There's there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, sometimes God puts a song in your heart. Sometimes that's just the song in your heart that's coming out to God. But whenever there's something that's out of the ordinary, you know, if there's a song that you always have in your heart, hey, that's you, that's your spirit singing to God. But sometimes when there's a song in your heart, that's God speaking to you. And so this song came to my heart. I didn't think much of it at all. I just began to sing through it. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. You know, and all, you know. Crown him the Lord of life who triumphed o'er the grace. It's got some great lyrics. Uh, it sounds old when you sing. It sounds like a hymn. But so I had I had that song, and then I then I saw that post, and I really thought, I don't know if God's speaking to me. And so we came to the the, the meeting at night, and we were we were we had a worship set list. You know, we we have a playlist that plays just to give us an atmosphere of worship and praise. And uh, you know. I still make the playlist for the 48 mop. It's a control issue. Um, <coughs> I admit it. So maybe next year, Felicia can do it. Um, <coughs> but I just, I like doing it. So I pick out, I, I pray about some songs and I put them on a list. And, uh, and I, I put a, I thought I put a certain song on and, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right song. It was on the same album, but it was a different song. And I thought I'd picked it. And so they begin to sing this song and then they break in into the middle of this song, all hail King Jesus. And it was at that point that I was like, 
okay, God, I am really starting to hear your, you speaking to me right now that you want to remind me that you are, you are still in charge. You're, you're still the king. And so then on, on Friday, as I was, I was worshiping the Lord again, there was this, you know, this, you know, I like, I like to just put on like YouTube stuff or whatever. And so guess what shows up again? They just start spontaneously singing in the middle of their worship time that Jesus is the king. And so, I mean, I, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm kind of slow, but uh, I kind of think like God's trying to get my attention, but I, I, I want to encourage all of us with it because we need a king. We need a king. I need a king in my life. I need somebody who's in charge. I need somebody who has power I need someone who has abundance. I need someone who has wealth. I need someone who has wisdom. I, I need someone who is, who is going somewhere, who's doing something, who, who has a purpose in life. I, I, I need someone who's going who's gonna to lead me, but not only just lead me, but invite me into that and empower me and make the way for me. I, I need a king. And of course, as we just celebrated, we know that that one of the ways that our king uh, showed his kingliness was to lay down his life. Was to love, was to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I mean, how ridiculous is it that the king laid down his life? How many kings would do that? How many, how many people would do that for you? Maybe your parents? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but how about somebody who's, who's, who has it all, who doesn't need anyone or anything, but says, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going I'm to love so much that I'm going I'm to lay down my life for you. And not for good people. He said, I'm going to lay down my life. Think of the worst person you can think of right now. Just for a second, then forget about him, okay? <laughs> Jesus wanted to die for them. Think about the person you dislike the most. The person that's hurt you the most in your life. Jesus wanted to die for them. That's how deep his love is. That's how, that's how great his, his kingliness is. That he's a king full of honor and love and power that he willingly laid down and said, I'm going to bring myself into this position so that somebody else can be a part of who I am. And so I think just as we enter this year, I just want to start with that reminder, first of all, is no matter what you're facing, that Jesus is the king. He's in charge. He has authority. He's sitting in heaven. The Bible says that when Jesus came back to life, he ascended, that he actually told them, hey, look, I got I got to go. I mean, the disciples, all the people that love Jesus are like, why? Why do you have to leave? You're, you just you just came back to life. <laughs> 
this is amazing. Let's, let's carry this on. Let's, let's keep going. Let's go with you and do all. We, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be even more amazing now that you're alive after being dead. And Jesus says, no, I, I got to go. I have another thing that I have to do. I've got to sit down in heaven. So that I can raise you up into that place and I can send you as the representatives of the king into all the earth. We need a king and we need to be reminded that Jesus is still the king. So let's read this scripture here. Revelation. I'm gonna just, we're going to read just uh, the whole chapter probably. Revelation chapter 1. Some of you, like when I say Revelation, get super excited. And then some of you, when I say Revelation, are like, oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if you grew up in my time, it's kinda like, it kind of became scary. Like Revelation was the book of, you know, scare the hell out of you. So um, literally. Am I allowed to say that? My wife's not in here, so I'm allowed to say <laughs> But it's not meant to scare us. The book of Revelation is a testimony that Jesus is the king. Whenever you see Jesus show up in this book, he's high and lifted up, he's exalted, he's being worshipped, he's, he's got power, he's got glory, he's, he's shining, he's got... It's amazing every time he shows up because he is the king of the earth. The Holy Spirit, open the word as we read it. Help us have a revelation of who you are. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his messenger or angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So this is John. This is one of Jesus's disciples that walk with Jesus later on in his life. He is exiled to an island of Patmos because of his faith. He is instead of killing him. They say we're going to do something worse. We're going to send you alone onto an island by yourself. For extroverts, it's like the worst nightmare. Introverts are like, eh, I don't know, might be all right. I can hang with that for a while. But so John is exiled, and while he's exiled, he has, he has a, it says literally like that heaven opens up. He has a vision of Jesus. So this is what he begins to write. John is now writing what he, what he experiences. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia... I love the confidence of this. Think about this. John's on an island by himself and he starts writing a letter that he believes is going to somehow make it to the seven churches that are way far away from him. I mean, think about that. Think about you're exiled and God, you, you have this amazing revelation, but he doesn't just take it in for himself. 
He says, I'm going to write this down because I'm believing that if Jesus is giving me something, then he's going to get it out to somebody else. I don't know. It's just a, to me, it's a point of faith right here that John would even write this down, that he wouldn't just experience it. I mean, he's, it's commanded to him that, hey, you've got to share this. But he's by himself. He's exiled on an island. He's not supposed to get off. He's supposed to die there. But John says, I'm going to write this letter and say to the seven churches, I'm believing it's going to make it to everybody that needs to hear it. And now we're reading it today. How powerful is that, that a man who was exiled on an island but had an encounter with Jesus, that he in faith wrote this down, and now for all time we're reading it. That was free. That's not even in the notes. To the seven churches in the province of Asia... Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the sevenfold spirit of God or the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Do you want to know something fun right now? Notice how many threes there are all throughout these scriptures. Who, who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. You'll find the nature of God is displayed all throughout Scripture in threes because He's three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's in creation. Solid, liquid, gas. Height, width, length, height, and Depth. There's there's three dimensions. There's there's all kinds of stuff all throughout creation that are pointing to the nature of God. But they're here in the scriptures. It says to so to Jesus, who's the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's good news. You're free from your sin because of the blood of Jesus and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Just a reminder, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, I was reading this, uh, probably going to be fast on social media, so I was reading up a lot lately. But uh, <laughs> I was reading this post by some, somebody who I think is supposedly a Christian, but they, they post these weird questions. Sometimes people think, sometimes people just think too much, you know? You, you, can just, you can just overthink something too much. So they were just kind of like, well, what if the return of Jesus is not an actual return, but, but it's just the spirit of Christ rising in our hearts. And I resisted the temptation to say something bad. <laughs> what it, and it was like, what do you think of this? Somebody shared this big, long post, and I, was, I wanted to put, like, I think this guy's a moron who knows nothing about the Bible. But I didn't. So I just said, I'm just gonna, not going to fight that battle right now. My wife's... <laughs> Here's the thing. If the Bible's true, Jesus is coming back bodily for everybody to see him. It's not spiritual. It's not just a, it's not just a metaphor. 
It's not just a figment of somebody's imagination. It says, no, everybody's going to see him. When he comes back, everybody will see him. They'll, they'll see the sign of the Son of Man on the start anyway. Even if you just go by what Jesus said, you're like, oh, this, you know, Paul made some stuff up, which he didn't. No, Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm going to come back. Anyway, he's coming back as king. Not as a baby. He's not coming back as a baby this time. He's coming back as a king. King of kings and Lord of lords. It says it's actually written on his thigh when he rides down from heaven. It's like he's, dare we say it, he's tattooed. (laughs) Couldn't say that in church a long time ago, but maybe we can now. (laughs) I don't even know. But it's on there. I don't know how it's on there. It's on there. So Jesus is coming back. He says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Again, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. See, here's, here's the thing we have to understand, that the, Lord, the, the kingship of, of Jesus is manifested now. And I think it's very, God is being very specific here with the, with the order that he has revealed himself. Again, it's the, the same three, but he is, re, he, is, he is being very specific that he's saying, look, I, I am the king right now. I'm the one who is. And he starts with that because we can't always believe that there's just something in the future or there's something in the past. We have to believe that right now Jesus is king and he is at work. He is doing the work of his kingdom right now. That's called faith, right? I'm believing that Jesus right now is king of my heart. I'm believing that Jesus is king of my situation. I am believing that Jesus is king of what I'm going through right now. That Jesus is king. It's not that he will be or that he was, but he is right now. He is the God who is. He's the king who is. He is in the present right now. He is with me. He will never leave me. He is the one who is. And he starts there. But he also says, hey, I want to remind you, I'm also the one who was. Because in order to be encouraged for the present, I need to be be familiar with what has happened in the past. Who has God been in the past? Who has Jesus been in the past? Why do you think Jesus said we need communion right here? We need to remember because we forget. Remember me. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Be reminded that I did die on that cross for you. I did love you so much that I shed my own blood for you. I have been working throughout history and I have been doing miracles. I've been faithful. I've been rescuing people. I've been transforming people. I am the God who was. I was there in the beginning. I was there before the beginning. I have been there forever. And I am the God who was. And I have been working all up until this moment. And we look back into the past to the God who was, to the King who was, that He has continued to be the King and work as the King throughout all eternity. But we also need, he's the God who is, he's the God who was, but he's also the one who is to come. There's hope for the future because it's not just that he was in the past and not just that he's the king now. No, he's he's the king that is to come in the future. In other words, there is something and someone that there's a plan that's happening in the future and he is to come. 
It's not just that he's coming back, but he has hope. Our hope is that it's Jesus is in the present, but that he's also the king of my future. That is Jesus the king of my tomorrow? Is Jesus the king of what happens next week? Is Jesus still the king in two months? Is Jesus the king when I get discouraged? Is Jesus the king when I am facing a challenge in my life? Is Jesus the king when I'm celebrating? Whatever he is to come, he's still the king. And so we need the revelation, the full revelation that Jesus is the king, that Jesus was the king, and he still will be the king in the future. And that's good news because that gives me hope. That means that if today, even if I don't feel like it, even if it doesn't look like it, even if I'm not seeing it, guess what? My future is set that I am under the kingship of Jesus. I am a part of his kingdom. I am a part of what he's doing, that he holds my future in his hands. And what he says ultimately will happen. Because he is the king. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? Anybody know? That's the beginning and the end. It's just the, the, those, are the those are the literal Greek words. This, the New Testament was written in the, the Greek language, if you didn't know. And they, he just quotes it. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So I, I am the beginning and the end. So let's keep going here. We're going to get a little more encouragement here. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos, that's the island he was, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In other words, because he was faithful to God, he was punished for his faith. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. We have to learn to connect with the Holy Spirit. You can be in the Spirit, but that also means you can be out of the Spirit. What I mean by that is not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. It does not mean that you're suddenly not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when you're in the Spirit, you are in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. When we worship on a Sunday, this is where we get to practice all together to be in the Spirit. Like when we're worshiping here, this is your time to connect with who God is and what He is saying because the Holy Spirit joins our hearts together in unity and the Holy Spirit is always psyched to worship Jesus. He's always leading us to give glory to God. He's always leading us in that place of leading us into all truth. All truth is this, Jesus is the King. He's worthy of praise. So, as we fast and pray... If you're like, man, I just I don't feel like I'm ever in the spirit. Hey, guess what? Invite the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to 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 grow you in your connection with him that we, you know, if you're here on a Sunday and you're getting bored, guess what? You're not in the spirit. You're not in the spirit. Because you haven't chosen to open yourself or you just needing to learn a little bit more about what it's like to connect with God. Invite him to do that. As you read the word, as you pray, as you worship on your own, you will learn to be in the spirit. John says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I was I was connected to God. I heard someone else, uh, someone say uh, this week as I was watching something, you're, you're not worshiping till you till you don't know that you are anymore. 
In other words, when you're so lost in worship that you forget you're worshiping, you're just in awe of God. You're not even, it's not even, oh yes, I'm just doing it. I don't even have to think about it anymore. So I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And this is John says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was, one, was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. That's like white like white hot metal. And in his right hand, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. It's pretty bright. Remember that eclipse we had this year where you, everybody, they were selling the cool glasses? Anybody get some of those glasses? We did. We're totally nerding out on that. Like we were like, it was so awesome. I mean, I'm married to Ashley. I mean, this is like a full-on celebration. Uh, <laughs> to see the eclipse. And so you'd put on the glasses, you know, and you could see the eclipse and try to get your phone to work with it and it didn't do what you wanted it to do and um, all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was amazing. But why? Because you can't look directly at the sun. How bright is Jesus in this? It says his face was shining like the sun. Now, remember the last time that John saw Jesus, he didn't look like this. I mean, see, John lived with, he walked with Jesus for, for three years. He saw him die. He saw him raised from the dead. He had a glorified body. I was, it was, you know, a little bit different. But he had not seen Jesus like this unless he got that, you count that little glimpse on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus, like, became glowing white. And they're like, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's, let's set up an altar to worship you here. And um, so that happened at a different point. But, but he has, he isn't, he's not used to seeing him like this, but he's seen him in his kingship. He's seen him in his kingly form. In other words, this is how Jesus is, is sitting as the king. He is, he, is, he is full of purity and power and grace and light. And he has power and authority. And like he's got all, all of this stuff, he is sitting in the place of all power and authority. And when I saw him, it says, verse 17, I fell at his feet as though dead. Yeah, right? You see that, that's going to... Like, if you're not dead, you, you want to be dead. The, the, I mean, think about this is Jesus he walked with, but he's seen him in the fullness of him as a king, as God and king over the earth. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Look at this. I'm the first and last. I'm the living one. <laughs> Notice what he's saying there again. He's saying the same thing. I am the... I was, I'll be there at the end, and I'm the living one right now. Jesus is letting you know, I'm God, I'm Him. I'm the same as the one who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. I'm the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. (laughs) And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Right, therefore, what you have seen... What is now and what will take place? There's another three, just so you know. 
what you have seen in the past, what is now, and what will take place later. And then he tells him what the mystery is. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And we're going to stop there. So I want us to go back to verse 9. And John says this. I, John, your brother and companion, and there's three again, in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. So here's three things that you have in Jesus. This is not the American gospel. The first thing you have in Jesus is suffering. The word here, it says that, right? It says these are these things are ours in Jesus. This is the Greek word thalipsis, which means trouble, distress. Start again. Trouble, distress, oppression, tribulation, pressure, or distressing circumstances and trials. Anybody been through some of those recently? Anybody going through some of those right now? They're not fun, but they're ours in Jesus. And John shared in them. And Jesus shared in them because we get to share in the life of Jesus. And part of the life of Jesus is a life that suffers. And it's hard. It's hard. But he knows it's hard says that Jesus was made in every way like us, that he suffered and was tempted in every way as we were, yet he was without sin, it says in the book of Hebrews. You know that thing we say where, you know, when you have somebody who hasn't gone through what you're going through and they try to help you, and they're probably, and I'm not saying it's bad, I think we should try to help one another, let's try to love one another. But then you get the, that one person who's, who's like, I've walked through that. And they sit down next to you and you're like, okay, I want to listen to you. Right? You know that person that's lost their, their parent and, you know, I can sit down next to you and say, I know what it's like. I know. But Jesus knows what it's like. There's nothing that we will go through in this life that he has not experienced on earth, that he doesn't know what it's like to go through. And so we have someone that can suffer, that has suffered with us, that knows what the suffering is like. Hebrews says that that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. In other words, it it teaches us to follow God. It it trains us. God God uses it. He He doesn't send it. But he uses it to form us into the image of Jesus. He uses it to shape our character, to to drive us to him. You know what? Sometimes we need hard things to drive us to Jesus. 
Being like, God, isn't there another way? He's like, yeah, I tried the blessing and you didn't come. I mean, he'll do that too. Sometimes he just says, I'm going to keep going with the blessing until you, you know, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So it's not like it's always, but sometimes this is God uses the trials, the tribulation, the distress, the trouble to form us into the image of Jesus, to make us more like our king. Because he wants us to represent him well. He's, he wants everybody to know him as, as the king that's good. But praise the Lord, we, don't, we aren't stuck there, right? It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom. <laughs> You're like, I need some good news here. No, you're also a part of the kingdom. So that means there's many times where you're gonna, you get the power and authority to pray and release the power of God into a situation. And it's based not on you, not on, not on who you are, but on who he is. I mean, how many of us, when we're praying for somebody else, we're praying for something, we, we need something beyond ourselves. We need someone beyond ourselves, and that's the king. But he invites us and says, guess what? You, you get to have the kingdom. I'm, I want to give it to you. You get to be a part of what I'm doing. You get to be a part of sitting with me and seeing things bow down to Jesus. That we are meant to suffer well, but there are also times when we are meant to stand up in the middle of that suffering and address things that are not meant to be. How do you know the difference? The Holy Spirit tells you when you're in the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you. When you don't know how to pray, what does it say in the Bible? The Holy Spirit knows what to pray because he prays in accordance with God's will. You want to pray a perfect prayer? You pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. If you have your prayer language, pray in the Spirit. Just a reminder. Some people, you know, some people who get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they receive their prayer language and then they don't use it for a long, long time. They think, or they only use it in church. <laughs> when God says, guess what? I want you to use this all the time. I want, you to, I want you to wear the sound waves out praying in the Spirit. Don't just pray in the Spirit on, on church meetings or at summer camp or at, you know, you got those kids that, that come to summer camp and it's once a year they, they pray in the Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit meeting. Hey, we're going to talk about him a little bit. And then we get all excited. It's like, no, let's do that all the time. You're like, I don't have my prayer language yet. We'll keep seeking God. Just let him, let him take care of that. Don't, don't focus so much on the prayer language. Focus on getting close to him. When you get close to him, he'll take care of the gifts. He'll take care of what you need. Took me a long time. He had to get through my head. Because I wanted to figure it out. I don't even know when it was the first time when I really did it, but I didn't figure it out because he, you know, he, he got through my head. Somehow he, he bypassed me and it's like, oh, yo, oh, I don't have to figure it out. I just receive it. But we've been given a kingdom. This is the true reality. The kingdom is the true reality in life. 
we, ha- we, have to, we have to align ourselves with that. We have to align ourselves to believe that what Jesus says and what he is doing is the true reality. It doesn't matter the thing that's going on around me. That is not necessarily the true reality. The truest reality that I can live in is that Jesus is the king. He is at work in my life. He is moving. I have a future in him and no weapon formed against me will prosper. And anything that happens in this life, I will be able to overcome. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are meant to be overcomers in the kingdom. It's a kingdom of overcomers. It's a kingdom who's more than conquerors. It's a kingdom of a people who are loved and are free and are full of joy and are full of peace, who carry the presence of the King. So we get the suffering in Jesus, but we also get the kingdom in Jesus. And then we get this, and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Here's the third thing, because we, we need to go into the future, right? We can't just make it through today. Here's what patient endurance is not. It's not survival. It's not survival. And I'm just, just trying to scrape through. Now, I understand there's times in your life where it feels like you're just barely surviving. I'm not condemning you i'm not saying that's wrong that's don't you don't have to pretend your feelings aren't there that's not what i'm saying that's not faith faith is not pretending faith is believing in a greater reality it's embracing what is true in my life and saying but i'm believing in something greater in a greater reality of the kingdom that that what he says is greater than what i feel it's a subtle difference but if you get confused, you just start pretending and you think it's faith. That's called pretense, not faith. And so he says we have patient endurance. Patient endurance is not this. Patient endurance is not just we barely make it and we survive. No, patient endurance is like a distance runner. And I, I know I use a lot of distance running examples, probably because my kid runs distance. But distance runners... Don't just survive and barely make the finish line. They don't. They can keep going. I guarantee you. Now, I don't have any patient endurance in my legs anymore. (laughs) So I have to stop. But someone who endures, they keep going. They don't, they're not just barely surviving. They are patiently walking in the endurance and the power that are in Jesus. You know, Romans 15 says this. We'll put that on the screen so I don't misquote it. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had. So so see what it says there? May the God who gives endurance. Do you need endurance? He's going to give it to you. Sometimes it's through the training of the suffering. But He is going to build you up to where you are not just You are not just surviving, you are enduring. You are being faithful, you are being patient. You are overcoming in the middle of your endurance. It's not that that He wants us just to barely make it to the finish line and say, 
man, I barely scraped by. No, he's wanting us to run through that finish line and be like, yeah, I did it. I finished the race. I've, I've finished the race. And I don't have to collapse. I get to run to Jesus. I get to, I get to keep on going. I'm not out of, out of breath. I can keep on going because God has given me supernatural endurance. God has given me something that is not natural. I mean, how many people need that? Need to see that in our world. Something that's not natural. How come you can make it through that and you're still like, you're still going? Not you're just barely surviving. No, I'm still going. I am still running hard after Jesus. I am still following after Him. I'm still seeking after Him because I have patient endurance that I am pacing myself for the long haul. Not trying to just make it through next week. I am pacing myself and training myself and filling myself and eating the right way so that I can run the whole race and have energy left at the end. Because what if I have to run another one right after it? Like, God, I can't take any more. He's like, I know. That's why I'm with you. God, I can't do this. You know that phrase? I'm just going to... You know that phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle? It's not true. Not in the Bible. It's just a nice, made-up, nice phrase that we put on pictures and social media. God absolutely will give you more than you can handle. Because he doesn't want you to handle it. He's not really interested in you handling anything. <laughs> He's interested in you trusting him. He's asking you, will you trust me through this? Maybe that's what patient endurance really looks like. Trusting him through all the way. But it's a gift. What does it say? God gives this. He's going to give you a gift to make it through and to be strong. He's going to give you a gift to be spiritually strong and be able to press through. He's, he's teaching you and training you so that you can be stronger and you can lead someone else. When you know how to run, you can teach somebody else how to run. My son teaches me all the time. Shows me how to, you know, I, here's how I used to warm up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's run. You know what my son's warm-up takes? First of all, I can barely make it through the warm-up. Because you've got to run first. Then you do all these different leg motions and stretches and, and movements.